Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Plugged In on Headliner Radio. Today I'm joined by Lisa Ferranti-Walsh. She is the Senior Director of Engineering at Isotope. Lisa, how are you? Lovely to be chatting to you today. I'm doing well. How are you, Colby? Yeah. Thank you for uh, having me. Uh, it's all good. I'm, I'm very well, thank you, Lisa. And uh, it's a pleasure to be, to be chatting to you today. Um, yes, where are you joining us from at the moment, Lisa? So um, I live in Newton, Massachusetts, which is right outside of Boston. And as you probably know, the Isotope headquarters is in Cambridge. So sure. we're all still remote for the time <laughs> being and probably for the foreseeable future yes. still. Okay. Um, yeah. So still working out of my home. Okay, cool. And and how have you been finding it? It's obviously it's been a weird time for for everyone, um, especially those working in sort of creative industries. Um, have things been all right where you are? Have you have you sort of been coping okay generally throughout the pandemic? Um, yeah, I think I, I'd probably answer the same as most people, which is there are plus sides and then there are minus yeah. sides. And I think. You know, the, the good part is just more flexibility in your day, more time with your family, not having to deal with commuting. And um, um, I, I think we've found, you know, my team and also just the company in general, almost our productivity is, has picked up um, because, okay. you know, you're um, you're just taking away all that overhead of, of, you know, kind of the commuting time, et cetera. The, the minus sides are not being able to see people in person. And I think people just desperately miss each other. Um, I know since things have started opening up again, we finally have been kind of given license to get together as, you know, as, as we want to either, you know, socially or, or even as teams. Um, so I think people are starting to do that again outside of work, which just feels really great. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's a bit of much needed human interaction, I think, for all of us. No question. Um, but yeah, that's great. That's great. Now, um, before we talk about what the company's doing at the moment, um, tell me a little bit about yourself, Lisa, and, and your background in engineering and technology and, and sort of how you first come to work for Isotope, because I know you've been with the company, is it around five years now you've been there? That's correct. I had my five-year anniversary in August, or in, sorry, in April. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay. Yes. Great. So yeah, how, so, how did, you, how did yeah. you come to work there? Yeah. So um, um, I, as many people either at Isotope or in the world, you know, started out as a kid doing music, um, playing the piano, and I played the violin, etc. And um, did that pretty much my entire childhood. And I decided when I was in high school to actually study music in college. So um, I went to school and I studied piano performance. I quickly kind of learned that I don't really like to be in the spotlight. And, you know, I even kind of discovered that when I was a, a kid playing the piano and I, oh, I, I could accompany the choir, which was really fun. But guess what? Everybody's watching the choir. People aren't watching me. So I could, could just have fun and make music without having that pressure of being kind of in the spotlight. And, mm -hmm. and I also discovered that when I was in college and, um, you know, I was also always a STEM kid, so I was always kind of a math science kid. So when I went to college, you know, on the side, I was I was in a, a, a music-focused college in a university. Um, and on the side, oh, I'm going to take a calculus class, or hey, let me try this programming thing. I'm going to take a programming class. And wow, my brain kind of works that way. That was kind of fun. Let me take another programming class. So, so I completed what kind of would have been a minor in computer science, even though I had a, a music, you know, it was actually a bachelor of music degree when sure. I graduated. Okay. And it was around my, 
my junior year in college, I started wondering, I had a lot of friends who were going to be music teachers. And so they were focused more on music. And, and I started thinking, oh, what am I going to do with this music degree? You know, how am I going to make a living doing this? And I started exploring other options. Um, you know, I looked into arts management school to kind of get an MBA focused on, on arts management and some other things. And I thought, you know what, this, you know, programming and computer science stuff is really resonating with me, and it kind of clicks with the way my mind works. So I applied to graduate schools for computer science. I got into one. Um, so uh, my undergraduate degree was from a school in Ohio. I grew up in Ohio called Bowling Green State University. And they have a college in musical arts. And then I went to graduate school on Long Island in New York um, at a school um, called Stony Brook University. And um, completed a a, um, master's of computer science. And then, you know, not far away from Boston and figure out that I I really loved the scene in Boston. I mean, for a whole bunch of reasons, being close to the ocean you know, being close to just being in New England with the mountains. Mm -hmm. And Boston itself is just such an amazing music town itself, let alone a technology town. So I gravitated up here. And I just started working in that that industry. I've throughout my career, which has spanned many years at this point, I won't tell you how many years. um, I've worked in a whole bunch of different types of fields, you know, everything from um, you know, healthcare and storage and, um, you know, the energy field, and I think probably the most relevant job that I had before Isotope, and I, I will say right now out loud that Isotope has been my favorite job there in my career. Yeah. <laughs> and my second favorite job was that I actually worked at, at Avid um, for quite a while. And I didn't work on the audio side, I worked on the video side. So I worked on Media Composer in kind of the post world and, yeah. and, and then eventually kind of in their broad, broadcast news division. In fact, when I started working there, um, Avid had just acquired DigiDesign. So Pro Tools was just, you know, kind of being welcomed into the Avid family at, at that point. And um, at that point, on, on the side, I was working on um, part-time an MBA. Um, so I was working full-time and then doing an MBA at night. And right around the time I finished my MBA, my manager quit. And um, so I kind of transitioned from being a software developer to being a manager at that point. And okay. It seemed like a very natural transition because even as a a, a developer, I I found that um, you know I think you kind of just you know follow your instincts and you know follow your own journey. And I found that I was always gravitating toward these roles that were technical lead roles where I was juggling a whole bunch of different things and maybe kind of leading other people. And so stepping into a management role um, seemed to be a very natural step for me and the timing just worked out beautifully. So, so that was the next step in my, um, my career. And so I bet about six years at Avid as a developer, and then six years as a manager. And even when I was a developer, my very last project I worked on, coincidentally, was the video plugin format. So it was called AVX audio or Avid video extensions. And so I even already had a little bit of uh, experience with plugins. Um, and then um, migrated away from Avid, tried a few other different things. I even tried a few different other different roles. I was a program manager for a little while and, and then um, kind of gravitated back to engineering. And 
Most of my positions in my career, I've actually gotten through referrals. And in fact, a friend of mine, somebody who used to be on my team when I was at Avid was working at Isotope at the time. And um, I was ready to make a, a change. And I saw a position um, open and I reached out to him. And, and that's how I, you know, how I ended up at, at Isotope. And, okay. and pretty much the rest, the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, that's interesting yeah. that you very much started off on the on the technical side. Um and then obviously progressed into that sort of managerial role. And, and the role that you have at Isotope is, is very much a, a managerial one, isn't it? But, but also quite technical. Um, tell us, it a, is. Tell us a little yeah. bit about, uh, tell us a little bit about the role, Lisa, and, and sort of sure, your day to day, your day to day goings on at the company. Yeah. So my role, um, is, so I'm not an expert in, in audio engineering. Um, and I've learned, pretty much everything I've, I've known about our products since I've started working here. And my focus is really more about the people and the team building and, you know, kind of the, you know, really kind of fostering the innovation and, and, and pulling that out of the team. Yes. And then the other, I would say the kind of the other piece of the job is really more around the engineering pro- process and practices and, you know, how we develop products and how we take care of our code base and quality and how we release products and, and that kind of thing. And um, I've, I've used this quote before. So if somebody's heard me speak before, they'll probably, this will be, sound familiar. But one of my favorite quotes is from the movie Hidden Figures. And um, in, in that job, um, there's a manager who basically describes his job as being finding the genius and the geniuses. And that's that's exactly how I see my job, which mm-hmm. is my job is to kind of set up the conditions so people can do their best and feel the most motivated and be as innovative as they possibly can. And so I need to set up those conditions um, and and find out how to motivate people. So my job is kind of the sweet spot of three things that I love. One is um, problem solving, and that's where more the technical aspects of it come in, you know, really sure. digging in and understanding and solving problems. Um, being able to being fortunate enough to being able to work in the creative industry. So I'm helping people make products that enable creativity. And that's the the reason I love my job at Avid so much. I mean, it was all about people telling stories with film. And now at Isotope, we're telling stories, you know, uh, helping people tell stories through music. And then the third piece is, um, I just have a fascination with people and what motivates people. And so that's kind of where the management piece comes in. So it's really the sweet spot of those three things. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I know obviously I mean you've obviously been doing a good job, Lisa, because every every one of your colleagues that I've that I've spoke to before you um just loves the the culture at the company. You know, it's very community driven kind of company by the sounds of it. And um yes. still you know, and, and nurturing that kind of uh culture is 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 great. It's what produces great results, obviously. Um I mean, yeah, that's that's great. How how has things, you know, last year has been a weird time. How have things changed for you? How have you had to kind of adapt um, what you're doing on that kind of level uh, and, you know, streamlining how everyone's interacting with each other and how all the departments are talking to each other? Um, what's yeah. what, what changes have been made in that respect? Yeah. Um, so I think we were all pretty surprised that, we pivoted very easily into this mode, really without missing a beat. And I think a lot of that, I mean, you just talked about the culture and a lot of that 
is because of the culture of the company. And, you know, I really want to give credit to Mark Ethier for that. And um, he is all about transparency. And um, he really believes strongly in this idea of self-determination theory, so that people are motivated by autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And so everybody feels engaged and feels like they're a stakeholder and they're part of, you know, what makes the company successful. And every single person really feels that. And when we hire people, we really look for people that fit that mold. You know, you kind of leave your egos at the door and you're part of a, something that's bigger than than you are at, at this point. And um, so that, I think the fact that we already had a pretty cohesive and very transparent culture, I think it made it easy to transition. I know... Um, I've tried to imagine, like, what if I was a person starting a new company, working only remotely in this kind of wor- world? And and I even hired a few people. I hired an, a new manager working in this world. And he still, I think he finally, like two weeks ago, met some of the people that he's working with face to face. And it would be, I, I could say it would be very tricky. But um and I'll speak for my team now. My team just embraces new people. I mean, they just kind of bring them along for the ride, and they, you know. And and I, I, I think I told you before we started recording. I listened back to some of the other recordings that you did with other Isotope folks, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Weiner called that out about how, you know, when he started working, people just embraced him and brought him along and taught him, and 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 that's exactly kind of how how people behave. And you just got to do it over Zoom, you know. And now you got to kind of pe- see little faces on on a screen instead of kind of doing it in in person but the you know that aspect of the culture doesn't doesn't necessarily need to change just because you're remote no absolutely absolutely and obviously the foundation was already there um for you to to just go forward and embrace that um yeah that's that's really cool that's really cool um now um i want to pick your brains a little bit about what's going on at the company at the moment um and and what kind of projects that you guys are working on um, and, mm-hmm. and what's kind of because obviously I know the, the you know the transition to a subscription based model um, is is a big deal for you guys. It's 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 a lot of you know there's a lot of companies that are going that way. Um, it is a bit of a trend at the moment. But mm-hmm. you know what sort of specifically is Isotope doing at the moment to um, to beef that up that's that subscription model? And I know there's going to be a huge rollout of of content and um and materials to to support your users um but uh, yeah tell tell us a little bit about that lisa um what what's going on sure. from, from your perspective yeah. yeah so i um first of all i think it's a really amazing opportunity for the company because um I, the way we talk about it internally is it's about kind of changing from a world where we focus a lot on building either large new products or large updates to existing products. And then we have a transaction with our customers, right? They give us money, we give them this big product, and they know what they've they've purchased. And we want to transition to a world where instead, we're building more of a relationship with the customer. Sure. So it's not transactional anymore. Now it's, hey, um, you know, you're, you're becoming a, a member, you're joining this membership. And it's about product content, but we're going to probably be giving you product content more incrementally and more in pieces and more frequently. And um, in addition to product content, now, you know, there's opportunities to also add other types of content to this, this membership. And 
You know, that could be anything from education, educational, um, you know, things or other third party things that we add, you know, presets, communities that you can join. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we're talking about. So it really kind of opens up that opportunity. From the engineering perspective, um, it's really about us transitioning from this mode of working on these very large projects to working much more incrementally. And, um, and again, I think um, we're really embracing this concept of um, what we call test measure learn. So the idea is, you know, instead of locking in a whole bunch of content and then we heads down work on something for six to nine months and then we release it to the world, now we're going to release maybe a new feature in one of our existing products and then we're going to see how it resonates. And we have analytics, usage analytics built into all of our products and we're trying to lean more into being much more data driven and see how things resonate and then adapt. And so it's going to give us a much more frequent cadence where we'll be able to adapt and, you know, measure and then again, learn and then adapt. And and so it's a very different way of working. And, and again, from an engineering standpoint, it's even the way we release our products, you know, the way we test our products, the way we plan um, for these releases, it, it's all being turned, you know, it's upended and turned sideways right now. But I think in a really, a really good way. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like it's a lot more, it's provided a lot more structure in that respect. Maybe not yes. a lot more, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a more um, thoughtful way of, of doing things and interacting yes. with, with your customer base for sure. Um, no, that's great. That's great. And uh, if I might um, just get some of your general thoughts, Lisa, on on what's mm-hmm. going on in the industry at the moment, um, uh, it, you know, in the music production software space, um, is there anything particular you're seeing or, or have been seeing developing over the last few years since you've been working at the company? You know, any particular trends that you're seeing um, arising uh, in terms of like use cases um, for for your products, or just anything on the engineering side that's that's being developed, kind of behind the scenes, or or anything like that. What what, what are you sort of seeing from that yeah. perspective? Um, so I know you know I, I think you've talked a lot um, already about you know machine learning and some of the sure. the um, you know possibilities and the problem solving that that's unlocking. You know, we talked about this idea of doing more continuous delivery of value. Um, I think one thing that I'm kind of excited about is, you know, when you think of a plugin, especially a plugin is very constrained, right? It's it's literally plugs into another piece of software, right, to a DAW, and um, it's only has access to the information that the DAW gives to it, and even the audio samples are streaming through it, right? So it only gets to see those samples at that point in time that are streaming through the plugin yes. that it can process. And of course there are exceptions to that with, you know, our, you know, RX, which is our standalone app and, and things like that. But um, breaking out of those constraints, I think is, is a big opportunity. So um, everything from, so um, we have something that we call IPC and IPC, um, it means something else in kind of the technology world. It usually stands for inter-process communication. In our case, it means inter-plugin communication. And 
We still work within the process space of the DAW, but it allows two different instances of our plugin that are sitting in your session to talk to each other and share information. Okay. So um, what, one of the developers on my team um, early on described it as kind of an exoskeleton that we're building around the DAW, which I thought was a great metaphor. Mm-hmm. And um, so instead of being constrained and only what you give us, Pro Tools or Logic, now our plugins, hey, you have some other information that I might need. And we've used it, um, I think, the more most popular feature that implemented um, the, that used IPC was the uh, the neutron masking meter so it could look at the the audio from two different tracks and look look for masking and um, so that's one example another example is this ARA format that's coming out so you know then now it just opens up much more contextual access to much more contextual information and to the audio that's available on the whole track Um and then, of course, you know, just breaking out of your computer altogether into the, you know, the cloud. I mean, that's the another, the other obvious um, example here. And, yes. you know, right now, again, we're desktop software ultimately. So, in order to get new value, a customer has to download a product, install it, you know, relaunch their DAW. Yeah. Wouldn't it be awesome if the plugins could talk to the something that's running in the cloud? So, let's say you have a machine learning thing algorithm, but it's running in the cloud. And it's just getting smarter and smarter and smarter because we're feeding it more and more data in real time. You don't have to go through that process of kind of you know, updating your product and reinstalling. And, and you've probably heard other isotopians say this idea of um, you know, we're really trying to focus on allowing people to work on the creative part of their job and not get interrupted with all of this other Technical. stuff, you know. And so that's that's really what we're trying to do, remove as much of that friction as we can. And yes. um, and I think the cloud opens up all kinds of possibilities. Um, so that's definitely an area that we're, we're um, starting to invest in more. Absolutely. And it's interesting you saying about, you know, this this concept of I suppose it's concepts of, of breaking out of the door. And, and I know obviously um, RX and Ozone and Neutron are standalone apps, aren't they? In uh, as well as, as well as plugins. Um, is that something that I guess you're going to be doing with most of your products going forward? Cause I know some of the smaller ones like vocal synth um, are they, cause they're just plugins at the moment, I think. Those right. Ones and Neutron there. is also just a plugin. I mean, okay. we have, we have this concept of a mothership, which is, all of the modules together running on a plugin sure. format. Um, and then there's some of the products also have individual component plugins. Um, but it's just RX and Ozone. And in fact, I think one of our older products, Iris, also has a, a standalone um, app. So um, I, I don't know if we'll, we'll, we're going to migrate more toward more desktop individual products that aren't running in the jaw, but... Um, but I think more, you know, maybe we'll explore something running in the browser or like I said, you know, those l- blurring the lines a little bit more between what is that form factor of that, that product that you're, you're running. Um, yes, and, yes. and partially it's running on your desktop, partially it's running in the browser, you know, partially it's running in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And, and I think those, those, you know, the lines will become a little more blurred going forward. Okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Um, Lisa, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you today. Thank you so much for uh, for taking a bit of time out to chat. It's been great. Yes. No, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. It's all good. Um, all the best uh, with, you know, everything you've got going on at the moment. I know the company's doing very, very well um, and will likely continue to do so in this time when, you know, everyone's making music and, and getting stuck in. And uh, 
yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's exciting to see what's going to come next from you guys. So yeah, yeah, it's all about just being, you know, nimble and being able to adapt to change. And I think that's that's something that we're very, you know, we're very good at. And you know, migrating to this this remote world is just one of many incarnations of of having to do that. So yes. keep an eye on the space. There's a lot of fun stuff to come. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much, Lisa. You um you take care, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up very soon. Thank you, Colby. Take care. Thank you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.